square fielder. He's gone to the dogs. Welcome, friends, to the Gone to the Dogs podcast. Your host, Steve Fielder, with you one more time. I wish you a happy new year again. And uh, this morning here in central Florida, we're experiencing a little bit of wintertime with a 38-degree temperature. I know that's nowhere nearly as cold as where some of you are. But uh, anyway, I'm recording this on uh, January the 17th, and it will air the following Monday. Our podcast is going to take a little bit different turn uh, this week uh, because I wanted to do a tribute to a fellow hunter that has passed away. And uh, I thought about this and and knew that there were some guys that had some stories uh, about him and uh, uh, so I'm going to be bringing them to the mic as we go along. But um, on Saturday, January 13th, Bill Wickham of Lanark, Ontario, Canada, passed away while feeding his dogs. Uh, he'd left the house at 2.30 that afternoon to go out and feed dogs. And, of course, there was snow on the ground. And he hadn't been heard from at 9.30 that evening and following the tracks in the snow, uh, they found Bill, where he had apparently gone to the first doghouse, sat down, and had uh, collapsed right there. I know years ago, Bill had a stroke that affected his speech somewhat, and we can only speculate if it was another stroke or whatever. But, you know, Bill and I had been friends for about 50 years, more than that, I'm sure. And uh, I just wanted to remember Bill because he was a colorful guy. He was a guy that a lot of people knew, uh, especially uh, in the plot breed. And uh, I just wanted to do this special tribute uh, to Bill Wickham in this episode. Now, Bill grew up in farm country out in rural Floyd County, Virginia, which is a fairly rural county not far from Christiansburg, the Blacksburg area. When I met Bill, he was working as a tugboat captain, uh, directing or towing these big cargo ships and whatever in and out of the harbor in New York City. I had never even been to New York City at the time, and I thought that was a pretty cool job. He'd be working two weeks and then off two weeks, as I recall, the company would fly him back and forth from the Big Apple to Virginia and so forth. And uh, Bill and uh, my, well, my dad and I had gone to a hunt at the Blue Ridge Coon Hunters Club in Christiansburg, and that's where we first met Bill. And uh, that club was a very active club in that day. And I eventually met a lot of my close friends there, Lindell Price, Wendell Bond, Bob Justice, Billy Questenberry, Dale Breeding, uh, Lance Hutton, and, and uh, Willie Davis were just some of the, the fellows that I met there at that very active club. Uh, but Bill uh, was writing a column for the National Plot Hound Association at the time, and he had mentioned meeting my dad and me there and had some nice things to say about our dogs. And also I contacted him and to thank him. And that's how we got acquainted really. And, um, and started hunting together from time to time. 
Bill, uh, as I mentioned, the National Plot Hound Association was very active in that group uh, for a number of years. He served as secretary and treasurer two years. He served four years as their president and eight years as a director. Now, Bill had a rough road to hoe in his first office there because he was the secretary and treasurer under a president and vice president who will remain nameless here that put the association in very troubling financial waters. And Bill uh, often told me, you know, of his attempts to keep the the books balanced when these guys were uh, constantly tapping the treasury for for stamps and stationery and things that were uh, in some cases used for personal gain. But um, anyway, Bill uh, stayed the course, and when Larry Everson and Wayne Griggs and I took office in January of 1979, uh, he gave us a zero balance, and Wayne <laughs> had to take money out of his personal account to uh, to buy uh, stamps and so forth for the association. But Bill, uh, although he had had a really rough row, people knew that he was the guy that kept things uh, going, and uh, they proved that by voting for him several times for president and as a director. Um, he served as a, on the board of directors for two of the terms uh, that I served as president of MPHA, so I got to know Bill very well. Bill was a coon hunter when I met him. Uh, later on, he would uh, pretty much devote his time to bear hunting. But uh, when I met him, he had uh, had a Kermit Allison bred plot mail that he called Wickham's Hellbender. Now, Hellbender, if you look it up or Google it, that's a salamander uh, that grows in the creeks and, and rocky creeks and so forth. And from the pictures I saw, some of them were kind of brindle stripes, so I guess that's <laughs> where Bill got that name. I don't know for sure. But uh, people that hunted with Bender liked him, said he was a good hound, and uh, and Bill, I think, later sold him. Uh, the fella ended up, I think, maybe catching a lot of coon with him. But anyway, when uh, a little later on, he had a dog named Wickham's Black Bear that became a Grand Knight champion. And I talked to my good friend Bob Justice uh, recently, and he recalled one time when Bill couldn't go to Autumn Oaks that he took Bear and hunted uh, him in the hunt and actually won the cast with Bear. But uh, there's an interesting uh, account of the 1980 uh, ACHA World Hunt in Pine Bluff, Arkansas that Bill wrote in an ad in, in, in the MPHA yearbook. And I want to read that to you right now. Bill said at the welcoming ceremony hosted by the governor of Arkansas, the officials of the Arkansas Game Commission, and the officials of ACHA, it was announced that we have dogs and hunters from 34 states. Excuse me. A total of 537 dogs entered, and that entry consisted of 300-plus walker dogs, 75 or so black and tans, 125 English dogs, about 40 blue ticks, 
20 red bones, and to quote Bill, and a damn plot. <laughs> when the third night of the, the event came around, the plot was still in the hunt, and over 400 of the other dogs had been sent home packing. What I would like to see is a plot hound recognized for what it is, a top caliber tree dog. I would like to see something in the top 20 besides those blankety-blank walker dogs. That was Bill Wickham. And I'm going to bring now to our uh, Gone to the Dogs podcast microphone a fellow that knew Bill. uh, There's an introduction here, so uh, let's get right into that. As we think about our good friend Bill Wickham and we certainly uh, miss him and and uh, will miss him going forward. Uh, the last time I saw Bill was at the Houndsman for Conservation meeting in New York and I uh, was getting everything ready to go into my talk and looked at the back door and there came Bill and it was like a homecoming for me. It was such a a great uh, experience to get to see him again. I hadn't seen him in several years. But in thinking about Bill, and we've certainly talked about him and, and in a lot of different ways here, uh, but I began to think about a story uh, that involved another friend of mine. Um, I hadn't known him quite as long as I knew Bill, but... Uh, he is a fellow West Virginian uh, and a transplanted West Virginian to the state of Michigan, as I was for about 22 years. And I hunted with him several times when I lived up there and, of course, would see him at the events, the UKC, and mainly the PKC events. And uh, he has a story about Bill uh, and and how he and Bill became acquainted, and and it involved a dog, of course. But um, I wanted to bring to the mic, and and actually, as our featured guest this week, uh, my longtime friend Mike Shepherd. How are you, Mike? Doing doing great, my friend. How are you? You know, Mike, I'm doing much better than I deserve. I sure certainly am, and. It's great for you to consent. <laughs> I think I got my tongue wrapped around my eye tooth, and I can't see a word I'm saying today, apparently. But anyway, it's really great to be able to, to visit with you. And as I was thinking about our friend Bill, I, I thought, well, man, this is a great opportunity to get Mike on because he's got a great story. Uh, we all have a story. And uh, that's the idea of this podcast is to get as many of these stories out there for other people to enjoy and relate to and so forth. And uh, so I'm just very happy, Mike, that you've consented today to come on with me and spend some time. I want you to kind of uh, now you're from West Virginia, too, right? from southern West Virginia, as am I, right? I was born on the Tug River, uh, which my family was on the West Virginia side, which was Mingo County, but the hospital in in South Williamson happened to be in Pike County, Kentucky. Uh, I'm so West Virginian that my great-grandmother 
was the niece of Randall McCoy. <laughs> I so, knew uh, I knew there was a reason that you and I, every once in a while, the opportunity uh, presented itself for us to be on the opposite sides of a, <laughs> of a question, <laughs> is that I was just doing some genealogy work today, and as you may know, or we discussed it before maybe, my mother was a Hatfield. <laughs> Yeah, well, I feel bad for you. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that no, amazing? It's a small world. Well, we're related to a bunch of uh, hillbilly, uh, moonshine drinker terrorists. If you, you know, but but anyway, <laughs> that's the way life was back then. You know, that's right. It was a different world, wasn't you, it? You settled it, however you settled it. Yeah. Know? Well, yeah, and I've told this story in the podcast before, and I'll be real brief. My grandfather always said, well, we weren't re related to those feuding Hatfields, you know. But <laughs> when those computers came along, I had the ability to go back and trace all that stuff back. I found that he and old, old devil Ants Hatfield were cousins. They came down yeah. from two brothers, you know. So, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. it's, it's, it's kind of nice to be uh Part of the probably the the two most family famous families in America. The uh, that's right, and thank goodness they've settled their differences. <laughs> sure, sure. But uh, yeah. but you know when when you uh, when you asked me to join you, I got to uh, reminisce a little bit, and I got to thinking about the I about the little dog that I sold, uh, Bill. Yeah, and and. Uh, the way it got started, and I think the you know you initiated the deal. Um, I had I had taken the dog. I believe his name was Cooter. Yeah, was that and, what uh, you were calling him? I know Bill later yeah. on. Is that what you called him when you had I, him? I, I called him Cooter. Okay. And and I had got I had placed him in a few hunts, and of course, him being a plot, it uh, it drew your attention to him, and and. Uh, you asked me about him, and I don't know if you remember this, but you you tried him. I I think I talked to Bill on the phone, and and uh, either you you or Bill set it up for you to try him. Now you picked a great night to try him, if you remember. <laughs> it's about a foot of snow and twenty some degrees. Yeah, but and you, you came you, over to my place. Yep, and you right. remember the little dog treat a coon that night. I do, and I remember yeah. what he did to treat that coon too. Yeah, yeah. He he called, he trailed that coon across a plowed field. Am I yes. right? Yeah, yeah. It was a, and it was, it was a, good. a good ways across there, and I had a little plot female along, I believe, and I don't, I believe that's what I was hunting. Maybe you can remember, but. I can remember my dog couldn't even smell that track. And that little plot dog took that thing all the way across that field and tree. He impressed me. Yeah. Yeah. I think did Bill make him a grand night champion? He did. Yeah. He did. Okay. He posted in one of his ads in the plot yearbook that it took him 17 months to make him a grand night champion. Now that's not too shabby. No, because back in the day, you had to beat every night champion on the grounds in order, you know, and do it five times. 
Well, these young guys now, they don't remember when there'd be 150 trucks for a UKC hunt. Yeah. Back in our day. Yeah. You know, it was, it was, it was crazy. It was so popular back then. Yeah. Uh, it's expanded too many, too many legs out there now, too many places for guys to go now. So they don't draw them like they used to. Right. For sure. Well, Mike, uh, yeah. And that, that was uh, okay. I want to, while we're on that story, let's just finish that. Then I want to get, there's a lot of things I want to ask you. Well, I got more, I got uh, some more stories to about Bill. Um, I got a Walker female from him. Yep. That that was a nice, a very nice dog. Absolutely, uh, just the way Bill described her. And Bill, Bill run an ad with two dog, two plot dogs on a rig on the front of his truck for sale. That's when he was in either North Carolina or Virginia, wherever he was. Virginia, yeah. And I bought I bought one of them dogs, and the only bear I ever killed. I had that dog with me. I got in bear hunting for a few years with, uh, oh, the, the Woods boys. Uh, yeah, Doug and Junior. Doug and Junior, yes. And, and, Greenville and we, back, probably. Yeah, Greenville. Um, and uh, we we all went up to uh, Nipigon, Canada, and I had that dog I got off of Bill, and I, I, killed, I killed my only bear up there. Once you kill a bear, that, that was okay. That was enough for me, you know. And I killed me a bear, and and but anyway, uh, the dog I bought off of Bill was in a, in on the hunt. So, yeah, it's uh, if I remember Bill, I don't know. He seemed to be pretty soft spoken. Is is that right? I oh mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. He definitely he, he was a man of few words, but he he described the the Walker female and and the the bear dog. I forget the bear dog's name, but. Um, he described them to a T and, and that was, uh, that was our, our story, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. as I recall, Bill told me when he got that Walker female, I think he was down south of, uh, his home there in, uh, he lived in, uh, Floyd County, Virginia in a little town called Reiner and, uh, fellow's going to be on the podcast a little later, uh, Heath Hyatt lives there now, uh, but uh, it's not far out of Christiansburg. Floyd County is a is a fairly rural area. Uh, my friend Lindell Price used to talk about. He said he and his wife a big day for them was they'd buy a bottle of pop, as they call it down there, and yeah, I, get, I remember Lindell. Yes, yeah, I and get in the truck and drive down to Floyd and stop at the at the red light. And turn around, and come back home. You know? <laughs> but but uh, he had he was coon hunting down. I think it was in South Carolina, and heard this Walker female treeing, and found out who she belonged to and all. And I believe that's the way he got that female mm-hmm. uh, that you ended up with. Yeah, she was definitely a she was a wood dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, when, when, when I saw that Bill, Bill Wickham had died and I saw that his address was Canada and I'm thinking, no, that must not be the, the Bill Wickham. But 
then I figured out it was. But you know what that told me? What's that? The man was the man was so passionate about bear hunting and his plot dogs. He went up there right in bear country. Yes, he did. You know, so he sure did. He loved it. You know, for him to pass to to you know, it's no time. It's no good time to pass away. But him going out there to feed his dog, it's it's almost, you know, it, it, it makes sense for a dog man like him. You know. Yeah, Mike, that's that's exactly right, and that's the feeling that I got. And someone made a comment. You know, what better way for a dog man to go, either in the woods with his dogs, you know, or doing what he loved. And and this brings up so many thoughts to me, but we see online and in these, um, you know, Facebook pages and so forth, people that don't understand hound hunting. And they talk about all those hunters, how terrible they are and if a dog doesn't do right, they just leave them in the woods and go home and and all these kind of things that are absolutely not true. I'm sure it's happened at some point, but that's not the way we roll. And, you know, just spending time with your hounds is therapeutic, whether you're actually on a hunt or not, or at least I always felt that way. Did you? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Well, Okay, I I knew that you and and Bill had uh, gotten together that way, and I and I'm glad that I was able to introduce you to Bill because, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, your birds of the feather as far as as I I see. Now, okay, you come from an area of the country very much like I did, where coon hunting is a chore. <laughs> it's a job. Absolutely. It's difficult. It's it's tough. <laughs> How did you get started coon hunting? Was it in West Virginia or in no. Michigan? No, it was. Uh, I my 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 parents went to Lorain, Ohio. To my dad got a job at Ford Motor Company, and I came up there. When I was probably two or three years old, hmm. and I grew up in in. Lorraine, and fortunately, there was the United States Steel Plant had a bunch of uh, land along the Black River, which I could walk from my house and go back in there. And for some reason, I found myself just drawn to the woods. Yeah, and okay. I'd go back there and squirrel hunt, and and finally, my neighbor had a little rabbit rabbit dog, and. I got hooked on the rabbit dog and and got me a rabbit dog and then and then I saw where the where the red fern grew mm-hmm. and you know I love my my beagle so much that that I was fascinated with coon hounds so I uh, I got started and before long uh, it dawned on me. I mean, I was just thinking about reminiscing a little bit that by the time I graduated high school, I think I'd been out of high school one year and I got a call from Burl Weasel, who was, this is a name that goes way back. Oh yeah. And he flew me, we all flew down to the very first PKC 
crow hunt. Back then it was called uh, PCA. PCA, and it was called a tour hunt. Yeah. And I hunted the very first PKC or PCA tour hunt, pro hunt, whatever you call it. And I got to think, you know, how many people can say that? I mean, uh, there's sure only there one two. first, <laughs> but I was, I was, you know, I, I hunted the first one and, uh, you know, I'm sure, that, I'm sure there's a few guys left, but I, I, I don't know, you know, it's right. been a long, long time ago. Can I ask you, know. you how old you are now, Mike? I, I turned 66 in, um, in November. Okay. Well, good. I've got you by 11 years. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that I remember. I remember you commented not long ago that me and Ronnie Bone are uh, about the same age. Yeah, and he was having trouble turning sixty-five. <laughs> and I remember you telling him that he would that he would uh, he'd get through it and be okay. And <laughs> I did. I did see that, and I, I got a chuckle out of that. Yeah. Well, you mentioned a guy there that's been one of the hardest hunters our sport's ever known, and uh, and a good friend of mine, a guy I really like a lot. And, you know, uh, go, ahead, go ahead. No, but he he and uh, I'll give Bone a little plug here. He he and Jack Jackie Coomer used to ask me all the time to come down and go hunting with them. And mm-hmm. I was living in Michigan and at PKC at the time, and I just couldn't make it because of all the work-related travel. But Bone did me and my family a tremendous um, uh, favor one time. He called me and he said, uh, your dad and my dad worked at the same plant in Kevill, Kentucky. I said, no that's kidding. right. It was back in the 50s. And he said, uh, and it was a plant where they diffused uranium for the atom bomb. Wow. And my dad worked at three of those type plants, actually in the construction, the building of the plants at Oak Ridge, Tennessee, Portsmouth, Ohio, and at Cavill, Kentucky. And he said they've announced that the Atomic Energy Commission is compensating the families that have been affected by that radiation or the asbestos. See, my dad was a pipe fitter, and the pipes all came wrapped in asbestos blankets and or you know cloth, all that. And my yep. dad did dad did have asbestos poisoning in his lungs. Oh, so no. through Ronnie telling me about that and giving me a heads up, and I followed up, I was able to greatly. Uh, how can I say, make my mother's latter years much more comfortable than they oh, they would have been, and I, I appreciate Ronnie for that. And I sure. and I know his father has passed on, has mine, and and I sure miss seeing Ronnie at the hunts and uh, a good friend, a guy I really like. I guess a lot of guys that drew him down through the years probably didn't like him as much because he usually was packing yep. a coon dog, you know, and I well, think you hunted against him, didn't uh, you? Me, oh, yeah. Let me, you know, you, you, I've been thinking about some of the handlers that I that I hunted with in the past. Uh, you know, the Jackson brothers, uh, Dave Dean, uh, 
Ronnie Bone, Bella Green. I would have to say that Wayne Green was probably the smartest handler I ever drew. Now he quit at a he quit in his prime. Yeah. But to make lights. Wayne yeah. once told me he said you can't beat a guy on Friday night and sell him a light on Saturday. Exactly. <laughs> but I'll be honest with you, the the best all around coon hunter I think I ever met was Ronnie Bone. Now the reason I say that is I did go down and hunt with him and Jackie a few years. Me and Jody Slosher would go down there. Oh yeah. The man was absolutely a coon hunter, hunt all night. Yep. He entertained you. You could draw him in a cast. And he had the he had the ability, the same as a guy like Dave Dean would have. They could beat you to death, but you'd still like them. Mm-hmm. Or some of the guys would beat you to death and rub it in. Yeah. Uh, Bone had Bone's got a charisma. He could he could he could do his own TV show. <laughs> oh, um, absolutely. And yeah, he was, he he is, you know, he's he's still there, but he's not hunting like a lot of us aren't. And, uh, but he was, he was dang sure. uh, Yeah. I've hunted with Ronnie. I've judged Ronnie. He was always nothing but a gentleman. Um, You know, always packing a good dog. Some nights they, they look better than other nights. I remember a situation with Ronnie one time uh, that he had the opportunity to really uh, go postal, <laughs> you know, because sure. it was frustrating. Sure. Uh, involved driving all the way out to Missouri to a Grand Slam hunt and getting there and not having the proper entry documents or whatever. And he was hunting the dog for somebody else. And having to refuse his entry, and he didn't kick chairs all over the clubhouse and 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 raise a stink. He just took it. If and, I if I could give a tip to any of these younger handlers that are that are into the game, the best handlers like Chris Allen, Ronnie Bone, they would never lose their temper. Right. Uh, they would never go ballistic. They would never lose their temper, and you know. And they never got in trouble for that. Right. You know, so a lot right. of times the guy that throws shit around and cusses and swears, he's the one that, that gets, he gets the most uh, repercussions in the end. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah. You, you cannot, you know, even as frustrating as it is, you, you got to, you got to keep your head about you. you know? Well, that's, that's for sure. And well, let, let's face it, they're, there is times, I mean, I was just a kid out of high school and I had a couple bad breaks as a kid. I should have been in a couple of finals of the world hunt and it didn't go my way. But, um, you know, it's just, it's just the way things roll, you know? So you, you have to, you have to let, you have to stay calm headed and it'll get you, it'll get you farther in the long run, you know? Well, that's for sure. Absolutely. And there's, I tell young people all the time, you know, or have down through the years, they withdraw, you know, or whatever. There's procedures there for you. There's steps you can take. The registries have provided means for you to get 
your case heard, you know, either by a panel or perhaps by an appeals panel or through a formal complaint procedure or whatever. There are mean if you've really taken it, you know, and you 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 feel you're right, you know, you sure. need to go through those channels because when you get mad and quit, <laughs> you lose all the way sure. around. You that's, have that's no true. chance, <laughs> you know, so... Well, that's good stuff, Mike. Very good stuff. Well, you know, dogs have been a, a big part of my life, and uh, I hobbled around the last few years that I hunted, which probably gave me a bad attitude, but I, I suffered from chronic gout in my right foot, mm. and, and it ended up, I had to have two foot surgeries. It just it just disintegrated my right toe because I pounded it so much. And, yeah. Uh, it got to where it was too painful to go, and um, I just kind of had to quit. So about all I do now is deer hunt. Well, you were always uh, pretty much of a deer hunter. I remember yeah. uh, you didn't you have a guide service or something? Yeah, when or, I was, uh, yeah. I started. Uh, I got the idea of of opening up a guide business, and. When I when I approached the DNR of Michigan, they had never they had never been asked that, and I ended up talking to the to the main guy, the head of the DNR, and he says, "Well, we don't have any rules for that." He said, "But uh, I don't see any problem with it now. There's now they got rules, but uh, I started out in Hillsdale County, Michigan. I was the most hated man in the county." <laughs> 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 Bring, bringing all them people in there and killing all them deer, you know. But oh, yeah. Yeah. That's what happened. Yeah. I got you. Well, you like to turkey hunt too, don't you? Yeah. And uh, speaking of uh, uh, speaking of turkey hunting and plot dogs, uh, okay. some, of, some of the better, uh, and it's good, this is going to lead to turkey hunting. But anyway, uh, Ray Stein. And yes. Adam O'Donnell had a little female named Annie. Yes. Sired by Buckeye Bud, the PKC yeah. world champion. Yep. A, a tough little dog. Mm -hmm. And I got Absolutely. a hold of Adam this spring, and uh, he, he he invited me to turkey hunt and put me on a uh, – killed a nice bird to, just at the break of daylight. And But anyway uh, – you think of you think of these there's very few plot dogs that that you remember but kurt seibert always carried a good one uh yep. the little mini dog of adams and rays uh of course john walk up yep. and uh, the little bud dog was oh he was a machine man <laughs> yeah he was any, any any dog that can score like 1200 down in kentucky I don't care if it's a plot or a cur or a walker, you've got a coon dog. Well, I remember, I remember Bud scored about twelve hundred down there in the world hunt. Mm, yeah, and, and he he was he was just incredible, you know. Well, I've always loved the plot dog, and it you know, I, and there really wasn't a, a anything about just being different from everybody else that appealed to me about plots. It, it was more of a family thing with me that my dad loved that breed and, sure. and, and got involved in it, you know, in 1954. And that wasn't long after the plots 
were officially recognized, you know, and right. in 46, actually eight years later, but the first one we got had several dogs on her pedigree that didn't have any registration numbers, you know, right. but right. Uh, all right. But now I always knew Shep to be an English man. Well, the, uh, what got me into the English dogs was, was, uh, Ed, Ed Bates, I was a big fan of Ed Bates when I was a kid. And I hope Ed's Ed listening. I hope Ed's listening so he can hear you say <laughs> I'm not sure, but Ed, Ed was the man when I was a kid. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, he had um, cash and hard time spec and... Uh, uh, and a Bates bunch of... John and uh, yep, and, and I wanted to be like Ed. Never quite got there, but <laughs> got close a couple times. But uh, uh, but that's I always liked the English dogs, and I ended up with uh, a couple pretty good ones in my lifetime. And uh, uh, first good one I had was called Mojo. Um, he ended up making the grand night and, and supreme ACHA night champion, which you don't hear much anymore about that. But of course the old Woody dog that, that Sharp I found Woody. Me and me and Pam pounded him through the country and um He may be and I pro I just wanted to really think about it, but I figure he's probably the best English dog I ever hunted with. And I've hunted with a lot of English dogs. If, uh, I, I've been told by guys that, uh, I mean, good good hunters and winners that uh, one guy told me if you were if you'd uh, he he would he would pack a little bit too much. But I never was a dog beater. I didn't have a good heart. I had a big heart. I mean, uh, I had a good heart, and I couldn't. Couldn't hardly whip a dog unless they really, really, absolutely need it. I guess he did at times, but if he'd have been, of course, he'd split tree and all that stuff. But do uh, you remember the night that I took you and Woody up what I call behind the hog pen up on a little hill there in a patch of woods and we put Woody in there on a night hunt? Yes, yeah. He put yeah. on a clinic that night, I thought. He, he was a, uh, I tell you where you, you know, he, he, he got me second in a truck hunt. He got me second in the nationals. Um, uh, I won, I don't know. I think I was the top 70 handler back years ago. And he was the main part of that. I think I won twenty twenty five thousand 25,000 with him or something, but he, he was one of them dogs that I wouldn't have been afraid to hunt him tonight. And he'd, he'd have worked in there and he'd have made me a tree or two and probably had a, had a coon on a den or something. He was just a, he was a good hound. And, and, uh, if, if he'd, have, if he'd have been a little bit more independent, it's hard, hard telling what I, what I could have won with him, you know? Now, but, if memory serves me and I could be way out in left field here, I may show my ignorance. Was he out of Shepherd and Johnson's Duke? No, no. Okay. He was, uh, he was just a single, he was out of a, 
not hardly any titled dogs and uh the shepherd and duke dog was my cousin in, in defiance ohio had him okay was he younger and, than woody or older he he was he was a lot older but okay but he produced he produced some good hounds that dog yeah. did. my buddy nubbin moore arnold moore in alabama he bred a female one time to duke i know uh, mm -hmm. Nubbin's been primarily a black and tan man, but he had had English uh, female apparently there for a while. Yeah, but old Woody, he was a red tick dog, kind of. It wasn't real solid ticked. Uh, describe Woody. He, he was. Uh, you mean his body wise? Yeah, he, yeah. What he looked he like? Was, he was a tight made dog. Uh, yeah. He, I think he had an injury when he was younger because his one of his hind legs was wasn't quite right he'd carry it sometimes and uh but you know i wish i would have been able to breed him some more because uh one of the things i'm most proud of is i got a pup out of him in the finals of the super stake um in 2004. that's awesome um, well yeah. that yeah that's the year that uh i uh went down to uh, AKC uh, from Michigan. I was with PKC, and after the world hunt that fall was when I went to Raleigh, North Carolina. So mm -hmm. I guess, what what did you call that dog, Mike? Uh, I jokingly called him Mini Me one night over that, you know, that Austin Power movie, yeah. jokingly. <laughs> well, guess what? That's <laughs> stuck, uh, huh? Mini Me. Yeah, he was about seventy pounds, huge, huge dog, and you know the name didn't fit him, but that's how he got his name. But he was, he was a good pup, man. I, you know, get him in a year old and uh, got him in by tree and coons in Kentucky. Yeah, you know, um, so yeah, he was, he was kind of what it was all about. You know, you you get a good dog out of your, out of your main dog, and you you. You, you compete with the elite pups in the country and you you put on a good show and I think I finished third with him. Yeah. But, uh, well we all have some memory now, you know. In those days there was a lot of pups participating though, you know. Oh, yeah. They didn't have as many divisions then either, where they right. divided them up, you know, every year. Sure. Each year. Sure. So Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, you you've hunted in Michigan. How long have you lived in Michigan there? Uh, well, I uh, I met Pam in '79, uh, and probably that was the best day of your life. Yeah, yeah, her life. <laughs> Did you say her life? No, I said yours. <laughs> yes. Pam. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Yes, she sits. She's sitting here. Oh, is she? Okay, yeah. I'm not trying. To, I'm not no, trying to butter her up. I, she knows I like her. <laughs> she's she's a she's a tough gal, and uh, she walked every you know every step and more when I hunted Woody. She the kids were grown then, and yeah, she was with me a lot of times. If my foot was killing me, she'd go get him in at the end. Oh yeah, how far you know? Yeah, tough yeah. tough woman. Very tough woman. Um, but about 1980 is when I really moved up here. So I've been up here 
most, you know, three quarters of my life anyway. And I love the state. Go blue. Go blue. How about that, man? Let's just put the brakes on right here and talk about who is the national, who are the national champions. National. The Wolverines. The Michigan Um, Wolverines. Fred Miller would be so happy. Fred always bought uh, season tickets to the Michigan games. And mm-hmm. he would pick, he would cherry pick what he considered the best games. He had lived in California for many years and was a USC fan. And if, if USC came to town, forget it, you know. And he would also yeah. probably pick the Ohio State game if they were at the big house or maybe Notre Dame. But otherwise, then Sarah, uh, who worked there in the office, and I would have choice, you know, and he had. Four good tickets, beautiful tickets on about the 35-yard line. Nice up, you know, where you could see everything really well. And I used to go to the big house. Man, I loved it. I love. If you walk in that place and there's 115,000 people <laughs> sitting in a bowl, you know. Well, usually if the Big Ten uh, competed against – Alabama or Georgia or Clemson, any of them Southern teams, we, we figured we was going to lose. Uh, here, this year, things changed. And, and uh, we, the Michigan team this year, puts you in the mind of the, of the, of the Steelers in the 70s. Just, just a tough bunch of guys that just beat you to death. And, um, yeah. Just, just won by uh, by just getting the job done. Absolutely. In the some, first half, some. it was really brutal. <laughs> sure. But, Absolutely. Hey, you were talking about Pam and her being with you and helping you through, uh, through you know, the fact that, you know, the, you had the issue with your foot and all that. Sure. I ran across something that Bill Wickham, since we're talking about Bill today, that he wrote in an ad, I'm sure he paid for this, in the National Plot Hound Association yearbook. And it was the, uh, let me see here, it was the 1989 yearbook. And there's a picture of Bill standing there <laughs> and a plot dog there behind him. And he said, wanted female hunting companion to help raise and train plot hounds. Must be able to drive pickup truck 200 miles in three and a half hours to make hunt deadline. Miss work on Monday hunting for dogs lost at our state night hunt on Saturday night. (laughs) Must be able to live on truck stop coffee, stale donuts, and greasy fried food. Must also be able to worm pups, give distemper shots, cure parvo, and skin coons. It's preferred that you have your own car hearts, wheat light, hip boots, and dog leads. I, in turn, will provide pickup truck, above average coonhound, not sing country and western while you're trying to sleep in the cab of the truck while waiting for dog running deer to quit and come in. 
It shall be joint responsibility to maintain a home, buy dog food, keep UKC papers up to date, and change oil in the lawnmower. Please send picture and pedigrees of dogs you may own. No walkers owners need apply unless very good at dusting first-place trophies. If you respond to this ad, be prepared for me to arrive upon your doorstep within 24 hours. <laughs> well, well, if Bill was still alive, here's what I'd tell him. I found her first. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was great. I, I, I wanted to, to try to squeeze that in somewhere. I was looking back through the the yearbooks, and as I mentioned earlier, before you came on, uh, Mike, uh, Bill served several years as officer of the National Plot Hound Association as the president, uh, secretary, treasurer, and director. He he was really uh, devoted to his plot dogs, for sure. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I, I hadn't heard from him for years, but when I when I heard how he passed away and where he lived, what he was doing, the man was dedicated. He he he, you know, when when hunting got hard in the states, he went up there where the bears were. You know, well and he did, and you know, he became he kind of transitioned. You know, and again, I I addressed this about the dogs that he had: Hellbender and Bear, and then Cooter was uh were all three extra nice hounds that he owned and uh but he got the bear hunting fever at some point along the way and uh, he used to hunt with a guy named danny thorne there in virginia and uh my buddy heath hyatt later on uh there and uh but you know bill uh was single uh, he had been married. Uh, he went to Canada and he met Rhonda. Uh, and uh, they were together for many years until she passed uh, about 10 years ago uh, with cancer. But he really became a bear hunter, uh, a passionate bear hunter. How and long was he in Canada? He was up there. I don't know exactly how many years, but I... I uh, the gentleman that told me about Bill passing, uh, and I, I'll have to, uh, he'll have to forgive me here right at this point for, for missing his name, but he said he had bear hunted with Bill for 30 years. So I know Bill was up there a long time. Wow. Uh, yeah. Uh, he used to tell me, uh, he was, <laughs> he was always a thinker, you know, and he, he told me, he said he had his baits set out, which is legal up there, but he would put up a track, the old beep beep tracking collar on the bait, and he have uh, uh, the magnet uh, attached to, the, to a string, apparently, and when the bear hit the bait, it would pull the magnet out of the tracking collar. The tracking collar would go off, and he had a receiver at home, and he'd know the bear had hit the bait, so he'd go run, run the bear. So I guess he was kind of the, he was kind of a forerunner of the guys that have their trail cams set up on. Oh their yeah, that's bitch. a great idea. You know, uh, 
when I uh, I got hired by Joy Dog Food. Yeah, I wanted to definitely talk about your your years with Joy. I I got the job primarily for my success with the dogs, and um, I remember another thing about Bill. He, I don't know if he was married, but uh, him and his, him and his companion his girlfriend or whatever they they sold joy dog food and they were a big distributor for years yeah they're in floyd um, virginia yeah yep. yeah mm-hmm. and, and bill, bill was uh uh we'd we'd get to go and and i you know i want to thank joy dog food they gave me my uh uh i got to see the world a little bit with them the the driving was was what uh being away from home and the driving's what kind of ended it for me, but I, I do, I still, uh, I'm appreciative of Joy Dog Food for the, for the opportunity that they gave me, you know. Yeah, um, it's a good company, a long-standing company. Uh, you know, I uh, knew Chip Kozer, and, mm-hmm. and of course his son, Chip, is now with this Elite, um, I think it's called Elite. Uh, it's a sub. Uh, I'm going to get in trouble here. I don't want to even go there I, uh, sure, I, because I'm going to mess it up for him. I just talked to Chip. Uh, we'll call him Junior. I guess he's a junior at the Grand American last week, and mm-hmm. he's doing really well and still affiliated with Joy. And of course, Josh Michaelis is out there, uh, kind of the voice or the face of of Joy out there among the coon hunters and and hound hunters and so forth. And I, I see where they've just put on a new representative. And, uh, so anyway, that company has had a resurgence, you know, here in yes. the last few years. And Can I tell you a story about Chipper? I think. Uh, oh, absolutely. I'd love for you to. <laughs> Chipper. Uh, do you remember Mike Harper? Oh, very, year? very well. Well, everybody, most everybody knew Mike. He, you know, he had that shaved head and it was waxed. And uh, <laughs> uh, watch it anyway, now. I'm bald as an onion. So well, just me watch too. It. <laughs> but, but anyway, back in the day, Mike wore a toupee, mm-hmm. and and we were sitting at Chip Coaches, and uh, we were at a meeting. We went to Chips for a barbecue or something, and somebody convinced Chipper. To run by Mike and pull his hair. Oh no! And what he did, he pulled he pulled that toupee right off of Mike Harper's head. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Well, but I can I see Chipper doing that, as yeah, you're calling. It, yeah, yeah. It was, he, it, it was one of the boys. <laughs> I think there was four of them boys, but I'm thinking it was probably Chipper that that uh, Marty Parker. Told, yeah, uh, I remember Parker. Marty. Yeah, Marty, Marty Parker had one of them boys run by Mike Harper and jerked that wig, and he pulled it right off. And oh, it was it was hilarious. And he stood there holding that. He stood there holding that toupee like, holy moly, what have I just done? Oh, the good times. I can tell a couple funny stories too. Um, Well, actually, a funny story, and then one uh, that's kind of like this tribute that we're we're, uh, 
talking about with Bill, uh, and I'll go there first. Uh, Larry Meeks was at my house in Schoolcraft, Michigan. He had come up for the weekend to hunt with me. And uh, we were sitting there in the kitchen when a call came through that Mike had died. Yeah. Uh, And it was a very sobering, sad time for us because, you know, anybody that went to Aurora, Kentucky and worked the PKC World Hunt or spent any time there remembers Harper. And what a fun-loving guy he was. Mm-hmm. I tell you, he cooked, he grilled one of the best pork chops I've ever eaten in my life for mm-hmm. Larry and, and me when we were at his at his house there in West Tennessee. But Mike apparently was going to a Beagle trial or one of the uh, his assignments, I guess, and apparently had a heart attack while he was driving yeah. it truck and left the highway and but it was a great loss because he was just one of those guys that everybody enjoyed seeing and he was always full of fun and and all you know and uh, so but a, a, a quick little story that's kind of <laughs> we were going to go Mike had invited us the PKC staff out to the uh, to have dinner at their camp where they were staying uh, during the world hunt, you know, people would go down and rent cabins and trailers and all kinds of things, you know, and stay, oh, yeah, stay the whole days. week. Yeah. 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 T- 10 days when they had the super stakes in the world hunt all together. So we go out <laughs> and somebody's leading our group, you know, and they tell us where to go and it's outside town there and you got to weave around and all. And we go, and then we pull up to this place, and there were several of these camps there together. And so we get out, and, and we go walking in. Now, this is all the PKC people. Larry, I think probably Rita, maybe, um, you know, Mike uh, Craney, I'm sure. Uh, I don't know. I, I'll miss some names, but several of us. And we walk in this house. And these guys just sitting there at the table, you know, and he says, hey, how y'all doing? We're fine. We're fine. Uh, yeah, nice day today, yada, yada. <laughs> and we said, well, where's Mike? And he said, Mike who? And he said, is, is Mike Harper here? And he said, no, never heard that name. <laughs> we got the wrong house. We just saw the whole gang of us filed right in this guy's house. And he was just he was just as nice as he could be and his wife both. And they said, Oh well, stick around, you know. <laughs> I said, Well, I think they're waiting supper for us. We better go. But that was <laughs> Hey, I'll I'll tell you something that Mike Harper did that was hilarious. It probably gets you in trouble nowadays, but uh, he was into the, the the uh, Beagle Field Trials. Yeah. And there was an old boy in Indiana. He passed away just a few years ago named Tom Baker. Uh, and Tom was judging. And and Tom put you in the mind of a guy like Tim Conway, the comedian. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, the judges were sharing a room. And uh, Tom Baker had no idea who Mike Harper was. Well, well, the guy that Tom uh, was was bunking with, 
that Mike Mike Harper knocked on the door. And the guy opened the door and says, Ah oh, man, we don't want no trouble. And Mike come in there with a pistol. He said, he said, where's, where's, the, where's this crooked judge at? He said, I'm going to take care of him. And Tom Baker rolled off the bed and, and crawled under the bed. And that's the kind of sense of humor. Mike oh, had. yeah. It was all a joke. But it never ended. Tom Baker about had a heart attack. That was, fun. you know, that was funny. Tom, uh, Mike told me that story and so did Tom Baker. It was, it was hilarious, you know. Well, Mike, you know, there's no way that we could express really on this podcast how much fun it was back in those days around those guys. You know, I think of the hunters today, and I get in trouble from this for this from time to time because they think I'm talking down to them, and I'm really not. I'm trying to encourage them. But, you know, we had fun at the hunts. We went to fellowship to joke around, to have fun. And all we went out, we we competed, yeah, but uh, you know it was just a ball, and there was a lot of people, there was a lot of laughter, a lot of things, you know. One time I was at Aurora, and uh, it was late at night, and uh, somebody there, well, we had brought our guitars and and different instruments and all. And there's a guy there in Aurora, and I can't think of his name. His his name was Stephen. But he could play a harmonica like Charlie McCoy. I mean, this guy was amazing. So we all got back there and were playing, you know, back in the back toward away from the office area. And uh, after we were done, it came up through there. And J.C. Ellis, did you ever know J.C. or me? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said, "Well, I knew the hillbilly had to come out of you sooner or later." And you know, just laughing and kidding each other, and just having having a great time, and that's what I'd like to see coon hunting become again. I really would. It's it's hard to, uh, you know, nowadays. Uh, I wouldn't even know how to run one of their tracking collars. They they know every step the dog takes, which is good. Uh, and I guess now your dog can't even tree with another dog. I mean, they, uh, they gotta be off by themselves, you know, and, uh, yeah. which is good. Uh, I liked it. Some, you know, some of the reason I won with Woody was because he'd get part of yours and then he'd get him one by himself, you know? Oh and yeah. Well, had, that was all added up. Sure. Know? Well, that was always our plan, you know, get some of everything and then get one or two by yourself, you know, and that would kind of seal the deal for you. Nowadays, you know, they want them. There's a guy named Lane Denny, great guy out in Oklahoma, won the UKC World Hunt with a walker named Emmy, posted uh, where they had a great hunt here last weekend, I think it was, and I forget, he said eight or nine singles they treat on the hunt and walked nine miles. <laughs> nine yeah. miles. Now, come yeah. on. I've walked nine miles bear hunting before in West Virginia, but I didn't yeah. do it in two hours or an hour and a half. <laughs> right. And, and you know, it it's just... 
it's crazy. And that's what the game has become for a lot of people. But we, I was having a conversation with somebody at the, just the other day, and we believe it's coming full circle. I think it, because of the fact that you, do you have a place up there in, in southeastern Michigan that you can hunt that kind of dog and have four of them going a mile to two miles in each in different directions? I would have to go way, I'd have to go to the west, uh, closer to Hillsdale County. Mm -hmm. uh, and some of the places like that, you'd almost have to hunt state land. I mean, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, it, it, it would be next to impossible here because, you know, they might not even go in the first patch you turn them. You know, if one tree's in there, the other one's going to go around it and go somewhere else. You know? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the game certainly changed, and I, I don't want to be this guy that's always telling these newer hunters, younger hunters, it was better back in the old days. I, you know, we had our time. This is their time. But I just wish that they could experience the time that we had. And one of the things gets down to about being a handler, and we've talked about that on this podcast a lot, it doesn't really require a good handler nowadays because your dog is by himself. He's in there. Basically, all you got to do is get close enough that the judge can hear him and mm -hmm. say, do you, hear, you have me in there, judge? Yeah, I hear it. Okay, tree me right there, you know, and take your time doing it because nothing else is going to be there, you know. That was not the way it was when you were hunting with Dave Dean. No, the, the, uh, you, you'd have to have the hammer come up. You know, when you got four dogs screaming on the, on the same coon and you got a, a 25 points, uh, separating everybody. Uh, I had the hammer cocked. Now I didn't always get it right, but I, I you know, I, I would win when I did, you know. So exactly, yeah. absolutely. You, you changed, you know. uh, did you hear the Dave Dean story about the night he had a spell? He fell down on the ground and was like, and, and maybe rightfully so. And they were administering to him, oh, Dave, what's wrong, man? Hey, you know, you all right? What's going on? Dave kind of cocks his ear up and says, tree hammer. <laughs> I heard that story. <laughs> you know, Dave, Dave Dean, you talk about handlers. Now, I hunted with Dave it, it, towards the end of his career. But I seen him do something one night, and he ended up beating me <laughs> by doing this. Uh it got down to the end of the hunt, and he was ahead, and his dog treed on a tree that it didn't have anything in it, you know, plain and simple. And Dave looked at it, and like I said, Dave never lost his cool. He was just, you know, he was like an attorney out there. Yeah. He was highly intelligent. He was a smart, he was a smart guy. Yep. And he says, well, let me ask you one question, sir. He said, is there a possibility that a kitten coon could hide up there one, hide up there somewhere? And, and the guy judging says, 
Yeah, it's a possibility, but, you know, possibility the world will end tomorrow. If they took that question back and, and the guy, the, the, uh, the master, master of hounds, master of hounds heard, heard the stories. And Dave said, uh, let me ask you one question, Mr. Judge. Did, did or did you not say that a kitten too could hide up in there? And the guy said, yes. He said, that's all I need to know. If they won the cast. <laughs> yeah. And, well, of course it, it cost me to lose, but I, 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 I got a, I kind of got a chuckle out of it. I mean, it was just as slick as slick could be, but <laughs> I didn't, I didn't dislike Dave Ford. He had that personality like Ronnie Bone. You just couldn't get mad at him, yeah. you know. We used to say Barry Kitty would have made a great lawyer if you ever heard him at, in a, on a question at Aurora. Barry Kitty was, yeah, he well, was the best. And, um, you know, I hate to, I don't want to disrespect any of the old handlers. There's a bunch of good ones. You know, I just, I just know some of them that I competed against. And over the years, it's, you know, guys like Dave Dean, uh, you know, I hunted, a, you know, a couple times with Frank Giddings and mm -hmm. uh, Beller and Green. And not all of them were great experiences, but they were learning experiences. And, you know, Chris Allen, the, the, the you know, Chris is kind of reaching his end of his, his career. But, you know, I hunted with young Scott Engel and, and a, a lot of these guys that dedicated their most of their life to it. And there's there's always characters out there. There's always winners. There's always losers personalities that you like that you, that you kind of got along with and other ones that you didn't, but that's the same. If you watch a football game, I mean, you, you, you're in the heat of the battle and, and one little word or one little mistake and, uh, it's on, you know, but, uh, but you got to respect them all for, for being a part of the game that at one time in my life, if you told me I couldn't go to coon hunt, I'd have tore some, some stuff up. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Now you, you couldn't pay me to drive mm -hmm. to a coon hunt. I mean, I guess that comes with age, you know, but. Uh, well, we do. And what I, you know, I, I've always loved it so much and I really do love a good hound and I love to listen to a good hound or watch him work. And I've, I have resorted to having partners and I've been fortunate to have some good ones that are taking the dogs and, and doing what I can't do physically do anymore, you know, and, uh, I, that flatland over there where you are, you know, I can walk, I can walk to the trees, but I can't go a mile one direction and a mile another direction. And, right. and then, you know, and then walk back to the truck. I mean, I'm going to be dragging if I do. So well, I, I meant, I was going to mention this to you because I, I see, and, and I'm happy for you. You, you got a, you got a plot dog now that I think you've strived to get most of your life. And I see you got you a good little night champion dog and some young guys taking the reins for you. And, uh, I'm happy for you because I know how much it means to you. you know? Well, I appreciate that, Mike, and I am having a lot of, lot of fun with that little dog, and 
And, you know, I've, I've told the listeners on this podcast several times, you know, I, I have some friends that include me in the loop, you know, if, if Mike Miller, who, excuse me, Mark Miller, that's hunting the fever dog, the plot dog, if he's out there, he's sending me video clips and he's telling me, you know, uh, you know, how the dog looked and, and how far he hunted and, and give, doing screenshots of the garment. And and if he goes to a night hunt, he's sending me a shot of the scorecard. That, yeah. you know, and it allows me to participate. And same thing with Keston Jesse with the Walker dog there in Virginia. And my friend, I, I made uh, a, a friend that's, that he and I have just, I don't know why or how or anything else, but we've just become very good friends. And that's Randy Smith in Pennsylvania with the Lone Pine Dogs. And he does the same thing. You know, he sent, I think Ella gets a little upset with me sometimes. We're watching a TV show or, and you know, I'm constantly interrupting to, to, to see a video. Or, that, or that, re- that Randy Smith, that seems like a, uh, a real good solid family. Um, oh, tremendous. they rabbit hunt, deer hunt, coon yep. hunt. Do they have a lot of land out there? He does, he grew up there in that community as a, uh, on a dairy farm. He and his brothers they know everybody in the whole area, and he has a very successful uh, critter uh, or exterminating and and uh, critter control business. So everybody in that part of the country knows Randy. And he's just a – we talked about you and I together about – I told you one time I thought you were very passionate about your your hunting and, and so forth. He is – Terry Walker told me before I met Randy, he says he's the most passionate guy I've ever met, whether you're fishing for lake trout up on the Arctic Circle or you're chasing bunnies. <laughs> You know, he, he just is a 200% dedicated and he's, I, you know, he lost his father here a couple of years ago and he kind of, I know he kind of looks at me as a grandpa, you know, or something, but, but he has two fine boys and a beautiful wife and they are, his mother is still living and they have a tremendous family uh, relationship there. So mm-hmm. yeah, so yeah, he real looks solid like they guy. kill a lot of nice deer too, don't they? They do. They kill yeah, some nice deer, that. and uh, and and I've been fortunate to take them down to Virginia to meet my buddy Heath down there, and the boys have each taken a bear down there, and and also wow. that's been cool, been really cool. Yes, Mike, absolutely. you know what? It is has been an hour and six minutes that you and I have been on the on this. Uh, podcast and I have really enjoyed the opportunity to visit with you and and for you to help me pay uh, pay tribute to a good friend and a mutual friend of ours. Has there any anything that we should be talking about that we haven't yet? Um, you know something I see that that's that's kind of uh, taken taken a hold in the country is these squirrel dogs. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, Terry Sear in Ohio, he, he's he got guys just in line to for him to train and, and pay good money. And you got squirrel dogs uh, 
going for 20 grand. I mean, it's just incredible. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned Terry because he had the reputation of being one of the best coon dog trainers in that part of the country. You know, he didn't he have a little female that was a sister to Molly or no, uh, or no, no? He, he had Molly. Had okay. Well, he had Molly. I drew Molly and a littermate sister to her name Abby that Dave McCullough, who 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 passed away tragically years ago. I drew them the first year I had Woody, and they were like six or seven months old. Yeah. And they wore me out, Steve. <laughs> and I told Al Nonneman, I told Al uh, about Molly, and because I drew, I I drew her several times when Terry had her, and well, she she was tough, and uh, it, you know Chris Allen ended up uh, for Chris, Alan Wilson, yeah, yeah Chris and, and Allen bought her, and the rest is history. Two pickup trucks and a hundred grand, but yeah. but she was she was a dandy dog. But anyway. Terry Shearer, you ever seen a guy that his personality, his dogs take on his personality? Well, I've heard of that, yeah. He has that. Very few guys have that, but Terry's got that personality that he takes in pups in his garage, in his pole barn, and he does little tricks with them and hides stuff, and they find it, and... uh he gets them where they mind, and and uh, he's he had some German shepherds he could send to the refrigerator and get him some pop. <laughs> um, but yes, he yeah he was a, he was he's a good trainer, probably one of the best, and and he was a, he was a tough competitor. He liked to win just like we all did, but he is definitely a dog man. Yeah, you know? yeah, definitely. yeah. Well, he had that rep, you know, and. Of course, I don't know that I ever hunted with Terry, but I, you know, I knew him and saw him, you know, around the hunts there. You know, that's a wonderful part of the world for a coon hunter or used to be. I don't know exactly how it is now. I know they have that Michigan Madness up there each year now, and uh, guys love to go to Michigan to hunt. I I remember, you know, when I could uh, keep, I had an overlay. Oh, actually, it was in a, a sheet protector, a sheet of lists of names of my landowners and their phone numbers, and there was about 30 of them that I could look at when I wanted to go coon hunting, and I could, you know. Sure. And it was just a wonderful time for me, those 22 years that I lived in Michigan, coming up there as a, you came at a much younger age than I did, I had mm-hmm. my stereotypes in the back of my mind of how Michiganders sure. were going to treat a hillbilly from West Virginia, but I found a lot of wonderful people, including most you and Pam. Migrate, most, most of them <laughs> migrated. Up there. That's hey, right. I do want to, you did. I do want to uh, say one thing about. I said years ago that they they should have the world on in the spring. Yeah. Because then, because there was no leaves and things were easier to score and score right. But anyway, then it got to deer hunting has been is such an exploding sport. Oh yeah, that guys are so mad and there's trail cameras everywhere. They need to have, and I think they're going to have it this this spring. 
if I'm not, you know, I don't want to misspeak, but aren't they going to have the world hunt in the spring this PK, year? PKC is, yes. Okay, well, when they had in the fall, especially in Illinois, where them hunting camps, they charge mm. four or $5,000 to have a, and they've got hounds on there, even though we know it shouldn't hurt, but the deer hunter don't know that. Yeah, you can't convince them either. You, you, you cannot have this this day and time. You cannot have a a world hunt or a a, a Grand American or anything that's going to uh, interfere with with deer season because people are going to go nuts. Yep. Well, they it's did true. in Illinois. Right. Well, we tried the world hunt in the springtime in South Carolina when I went to AKC, and it worked really well for us. So I wish, I, I hope that it does work really well, uh, you know. And the one thing that I, has been great for me, Mike, you know, back in the day I worked for UKC, then, you know, I was always competitive about my job. I wanted UKC to be the best. And for many years, you know, I was a UKC man. That's what I grew up on. That's what I loved and all. And then, you know, I was able to go to PKC, and it was a career move for me, and it was an opportunity and all. And and I tried to be loyal and and there to them as well. And then ultimately with AKC. But, you know, now I'm glad I – let's just put it this way. I'm glad I didn't burn those bridges. Sure. Because now I can go to Autumn Oaks and have a great time with Alan Gingrich and, and Trevor Wade and all those guys, you know, and just have a great, enjoyable weekend. Or, or like we just did here a week or so mm-hmm. ago at the Grand American, I, sure. I can go to uh, the PKC World Hunt. And, you know, I just visited with Roger Dale on the phone here this past week for a good while, enjoyed work, working with Roger. You know, we had a great relationship when I was with PKC. And and, and with David McKee and Jimmy Phillips, who are still with the AKC and all. And, and I tell them now, I'm a cheerleader. That's what my job is. I'm a cheerleader for coon hunting. Right. I, I want them all to be successful. I want them all to have, a, uh, uh, you know, the hunters to all enjoy what they're doing because Absolutely. the sport's been great. Yeah, you you've made a living at it, and uh, uh, pretty pretty good for a, for a hillbilly out of Beckley, West Virginia. Boy, think about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, my friend, I am yes, going to uh, push the button. I do have one. More little segment that I'm going to add uh, about my my friend Bill and uh, but I appreciate so much uh, you coming on, Mike. It's been great. Number one, just catching up with you and Pam and and knowing that you're doing well and and all and and that's what we always hope for our friends. And, am I going to be Am I going to be famous now? You think? Uh, well, you'll be notorious. I don't know about famous, <laughs> but uh, no, for those, uh, you know, if, if you're listening to this, you know how to get the podcast, but to, to tell your friends, just go on the computer and type in podcast.dusupply.com. And when that comes up, anything that says gone to the dogs on it will be me. And, uh, 
I, I we do one of these every Monday. It comes out bright and early on Monday morning. And uh, friends, you've been listening to my good friend Mike Shepard from Adrian, Michigan. Uh, Mike and I have had a great conversation here today, and it's it's been well worth my time. And I hope that you've enjoyed it as well. And uh, so, Mike, you and Pam, take care of yourself, the kids. Hope everybody's well, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. All right. Catch the fever. (laughs) Thank you, brother. (laughs) Well, once again, I want to thank my good friend, Mike Shepard, for coming on with me today and talking about our mutual friend, Bill Wickham. Mike had some interesting uh, memories of Bill. And then, of course, I took the opportunity to talk to Mike for quite a while because he's an interesting guy. And, in fact, he's calling me right now. (laughs) I have to put him on hold. Uh, But, anyway, Mike's an interesting guy and uh, has a good story. And I I really welcome the opportunity to share his story uh, with you listeners today. But uh, right now, uh, before we close this podcast, I wanted to get in touch with my good friend and and longtime friend, uh, Heath Hyatt, and if you've been listening to podcasts at all, uh, haven't been under that proverbial rock, so to speak, you know who Heath is. He has his own podcast, The Journey, on the, I believe that's on the Houndsman XP Network. And uh, so I wanted to take the opportunity to get together with Heath for a bit here and share some of our memories of Bill Wickham. How are you doing, Heath? Man, Steve, I'm not in Florida. I can tell you that. It is down in the teens, teen, low teens. Supposed to get down to single digits. <clears throat> I have stuffed straw and doubled dogs up and brought oh, crates man. in the house so I can get some of the dogs that I can't double up in the house in the basement tonight. So, Ooh. Yeah. what's your overnight low going to be? <clears throat> it's supposed to be seven. Oh. That's, that's yeah, cold a little enough. too cold for me. <laughs> well, you could add a zero to that and be what I'm looking at down here. It was about 70 today. I think I would, I'd take it. I really would. It's I'd nice. take it. Well, we had a few days, you know, I always joke down through the last few years with these podcasts and never talk about the weather and then I always end up talking <laughs> about it. the first thing you talk about. <laughs> that's right. But anyway, uh, it's been a little cool this winter. We had a all miserable hot summer down here and uh but it's been a little cool this fall some good hunting weather actually but um yeah it's uh it's winter time though it's january i I bet you miss them west virginia winters don't you (laughs) in michigan not a (laughs) bit my my mother who bless her soul lived to be a hundred years old she used to say the only thing between here and the north pole is a barbed wire fence (laughs) <laughs> and, and that's about the way I look at those uh, clips, you know, from up in Michigan and and think, boy, it's pretty, but I don't want to go back to that in the wintertime for sure. Yeah. Well, is all your hunting, your your bear hunting season's over now, I guess. Yeah, we're a couple weeks out. Um, the dogs are getting over. You know how you flip the light switch on at 4 o'clock in the morning, everybody comes alive. Oh, yeah. I'm getting them <laughs> back down to – we're not going hunting now, so okay. Um, but yeah, we're our hunting's yeah. over. Had a good, had a fairly good season. Um, 
didn't catch as many bears as I'd have liked to. We did good, and we harvested, yeah. you know, everything we harvested was over 200 pounds. So That's awesome. That's we, good. We tried to we tried to make that as our guideline for this year. Well, I definitely want to talk to you some about your hunting and about the activities you got going on and your podcast. You're a busy guy with your police work and all, all yes. things, all <laughs> hats and a, and a teenage daughter and all that stuff. But uh, the purpose of this podcast, of course, you know, today has. Uh, been, you know, it, it's been bittersweet uh, having to remember a, a friend, a mutual friend of ours that has passed, uh, but also remembering the good times we had with Bill. And uh, and you live there in the same part of the world, Bill. Uh, in fact, you live in the town mm-hmm. uh, where Bill lived when he was in Virginia, don't you? Mm-hmm. Yep, sure do. Yeah, he lived in Reiner, I believe, the first time I went down to uh, Bill's to go hunting with him. He lived on the farm out there, and I couldn't get back to it. I think it was right on the main road to Floyd, wasn't it? Or do you, mm-hmm. yeah. I, you know, you and I have talked about this, and I'm not 100% sure where he was yeah. at, but we're, we're definitely in the right town. Right. Well, the reason I wanted to, to talk to you, and of course— uh, you kind of did this. You and Bill kind of took the same route. You were coon hunters and then went bear hunting crazy mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and focused on bear hunting much more. Kinda, my dad was the same in the same boat. But, uh, you know, when I knew Bill, first knew him, he was hunting coon dogs. And we met, I believe, at the Christiansburg Club. And he was writing a an article, a column for the magazines and had mentioned my dad and me. And I think I called him or wrote to him and thanked him, uh, for that. And that's how we kind of got to be friends. How did you meet Bill Wickham? Through you. Okay. So it was our second year at plot days in Pomeroy. So the first year was when you and I hooked up when you and Wrangler and me and Brandy won. Right. You won, the, and I was first loser. <laughs> he was right. Uh, he was the high school the male. Op- that's right. That's right. Yeah, that was so. Yeah, you had introduced us, and Bill come to me like sometime during that week, and I don't remember exactly when. Um, but Bill come to me and asked me if I was interested in hunting, or um, he was trying. He had this dog named Tippy that he was trying to grand out. And he's like, Heath, listen, I'm in Canada. I don't, we don't have hunts up there and I'll work something out with you. So I ended up taking Tippy and home with me after plot days and granding him out. Now here was the catch. And it's kind of funny how small the world is, um, how things work out. So Bill told me that he was leaving plot days to go to New York to bear hunt. And I'm like, huh, okay. And Bill and I worked out the agreement that if he would take me, he would let me come up and hunt with him for a few days. I would, and he, all he had to do is pay the entry fees and the gas. I wasn't going to take any other money from him. Mm -hmm. All I need you to do is pay the entry fees and the gas. You let me come up and bear hunt. And 
sure enough, we left plot days. I went back home. I think I worked that week. And I don't know, maybe Friday evening or Thursday evening or something, I took off and went to New York. And Bill is part of the reason that I've met some of the guys that I still have good relationships with in New York. Um, Mm -hmm. Bill was hunting up with Rodney Galusha. And Mm -hmm. of course I met Rodney through Bill. And then I met Ben Gadway and like, I met all the guys up, up there, not, not Anthony, but those guys through because of Bill and my connection with Bill. And that opened the door for me. Rodney and I hit it off and I started pretty much going to New York yearly after that trip right, um, right. with Bill. Mm-hmm. Well, how about that? Well, that's, you know, I knew that your those young brain cells you got would, would <laughs> <laughs> remember that stuff that uh, has, has kind of gone under the bridge for me, so to speak. But, uh, but yeah, and I know once Bill moved up there, mm-hmm. uh, I guess did – you might remember, did he move up there after he retired or before? Do you know? It, it was after. Yep. After. Okay. Him, he, he ended up meeting Rhonda. Right. And, um, in fact, Rhonda was in New York. I, I counted up there two or three years with Bill when Bill was up there. And Rhonda was always with him. And, of right. course, him and he had moved up there and ended up uh, moving in. Or I don't know if they bought a place or – if he just moved into Rhonda's, but yeah, that's where he, he moved up and, and ended up with Rhonda. Right. right. Well, I know when I met Bill, you know, we, he was doing the tugboat captain gig, you know, in New York Harbor and all and pulling those big boats and all in and out of New York city. And he would be away working for a couple mm-hmm. of weeks or whatever. And, and they would fly him back and forth. I thought, man, you got, he'd tell me about what they ate, had to eat, all that steak and lobster. And all. <laughs> I said, man, you're leave, living the dream, man. Mm-hmm. But and, uh, that, and now that you say that, Steve, it may have been on the end of his. Because now that you mentioned that, I remember Bill talking about that way back when. So he may have mm-hmm. done a few jobs. So yeah. if he was not retired, he was on the retirement Trying, like he was getting ready to. Right, right. Well, I know once he got up there, of course, he, he really enjoyed the hunting up there. It was so much better, easier, I'm sure, than what he had down there in, in uh, southwest Virginia. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, uh, well, you know, what year was it that I came up? It was the first year that I came up and stayed with you and we bear hunted for a week and Bill and Rhonda came by and they hunted Mm -hmm. a whole two or three days with us. So it was either, so I met Bill in 98. So it was either that fall or 99 and it was 99 because Tyler was just born. So it would have been 99. That would have been exactly right. Right, right. Yeah. Okay, that would have been just not long after I went to work at PKC. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, that's I right. Was, yep. Yeah, because in 98, in June of 98 was my first event. I went to the national championship in Florida. Well, uh, I remember, do you remember in particular, did you do any hunting much with Bill after that initial meeting 
up yeah. there. Um, like I said, I went back to New York. I know the first year and the second year. And then I went to Canada in 2000. And actually, I went up and hunted with, um, we went up and stayed with um, Robert and hunted a week. And it's kind of funny how this works out. So while I was up there, my truck, I, I blowed the rear end out of my truck. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> I was going to send it up to Roy and them to have it fixed. And I just ended up staying with Bill. So I went to Bill's. We got the, the truck to Bill's. And I don't know. I probably stayed another week and hunted with him and Rhonda. And I, there was a guy by the name of Keith. And I can't not remember his last name. But he had a big old red brindled plot named Rooster. And, of course, you know, Bill was running plots, all the plots pretty much. Well, he was all plots at that time. And um, my truck was down. Like, it, it was down. So uh, we hunted that week. And it, it, it's kind of funny because that week we ended up um, taking a bear. And that was the first time anybody had ever taken a bear with a bow with me and the dogs, um, and I was involved in it. Um, huh. so yeah, we treat, we had a hard, hard race and treat up in a big old poplar tree and the guy come in and I don't know, who, I don't, I don't know his name. I don't remember, but <clears throat> I stayed at Bill's that week and ended up, uh, tell you guys a little bit about my, my truck adventures. And I know <laughs> Steve, you've heard this story a hundred times. So I blowed the rear end out of it. They wanted double up there in Canada to fix it. So I had called my mechanic and we had been going back and forth the whole week. And finally, my Charlie just told me, he said, Heath, he said, drop the drive shaft, grease up the front end and get it back across the border. So I had called my dad and told him my granddad owned a, um, a junkyard. So he had a call, uh, a dolly. So I called dad and said, listen, you're going to have to come up to the border and pick me up. I'm only, I'm four hours I bet from Mike the loved that phone call. <laughs> <laughs> well, he wasn't happy about it. So I got up whatever morning it was, Saturday or Sunday, I can't remember. And I loaded the dogs up and I, I probably had eight or 10 dogs. I mean, I had a truckload with me. Um, and I four wheel drive, four high. And Charlie told me, he said, just, you know, don't, don't fly, just get it back across the border. Well, when I hit the border, I never slowed down. I drove that thing plumb home, like <laughs> home. Well, dad called me, I don't know, five, six hours into it. And he's like, you know, where are you at? And I said, man, I'm, I'm almost in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Like I'm not stopping until this thing blows up. So we're coming <laughs> home or you're going to come and get me. And, uh, Anyway, I made it all the way home in four-wheel drive, and that was my old Chevy. It had 360 on it when I got rid of it, still running. What a but tough old lo- truck, man. <laughs> yeah, the, the story, along with the short of that story is, I bought a whole chunk, the rear end chunk, for 600 bucks and had it replaced where they wanted 2500 up there. Ooh. So that was the whole holdup. I ended mm-hmm. up staying some extra days, and Bill and Rhonda took care of me. And um, But yeah, I hunted that whole week with them. Like you said, they come down and hunted with us. Um, I want to say he come down two years. The year that you were there, um, 
like you said, I think they only hunted two or three days. I don't. They were doing something else during that time period. And I'm not sure what it was. Is that is that the year that we killed the bear earlier on around we? Yes, uh, we took the picture. Yes. Uh, yep. Yeah. With yep. Frosty, Bell, Clyde, and I had a dog named Rufus. Yeah, and uh, yep. I, I had some some kind of plot. I can't remember. You had uh, Singer. Singer. Yeah. yeah, she was just real young that time. Mm-hmm. That time. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's to remember those times, you know. Or uh, did you, you didn't, uh, or did you know Bill when he had his store there, his feed store in Floyd? I did not. Right. Um, yeah, I did not know Bill at that point in time. Now I had heard because I I coon hunted at the Christiansburg Club. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, you know people talk names, and so Bill's name had kind of floated around probably for a couple years. I had heard it, knew it, um, but until mm-hmm. you introduced us at Plot Days in '98, mm-hmm. I I didn't know Bill like personally. Right? Did you ever see Bill get in a hurry? No. <laughs> no. He he was the most laid back guy. I think one of the most laid back that I've that I've seen. I mean, he just had an easy going personality, and uh, to me, he did. Uh, you hunted bear with him a lot more than oh. I, there's a good story about Bill, and I don't know if you were along on this hunt or not, but we he came over and we were hunting in Greenbar County. Uh, up there in that cold knob area. Did you ever hunt up there with us, Mm-mm. with my dad and me? No. Okay. It was training season, and it was a beautiful, I'm going to say, September or early October day. Leaves were beautiful, probably mid, late September, early October. And we run this bear down into this canyon that they call Pete's Shooting Range. Any of the boys from Greenbar County or hunt that cold knob area. They know what I'm talking about. And uh, so we'd let this bear down and had some young dogs and had a rerun there, you know. And uh, my dad was along, and my dad was a guy that was always thinking about what's going on around, you know, and, and all watching things. So those boys wanted to run the bear out again. And my dad said, you better leave that bear alone. That bear's had it. He's, she's over it. I think it might have been a sow. I don't remember that part for sure. Oh, no, well, we'll run it out, and they'll run to the top of the mountain, and we won't have to lead all these dogs up out of here. That was the thinking, you know, the justification for running that bear again. <laughs> That's what the bottom <laughs> turned out and there was a walker female in the group and now these weren't all plot dogs these were you know those boys up there they hunt at that time they hunted you know uh crossbred dogs some of them were more kind of english type dogs but anyway that bear they they pulled the dogs back and and I guess yelled and whatever you do to get one to come down. And she came down and and just picked out a dog. And she picked out a walker, that walker female, and that was the end of the story. And uh, actually, we lost a dog right there that we shouldn't have lost. And it's a good lesson, I think, 
for uh, for bear hunters, and uh, you know, leave him up there. <laughs> you know, walk away if you get him treated or whatever. But I realize sometimes I don't know whether that's legal or not. But I'm sure the statute of limitations is over. It's run out by now. <laughs> it's run out by now. But you know, and I, I always remember that. But I but the thing I remember most about that beyond us losing that dog was what a beautiful day it was. And we were just laying back on the leaves on a hillside, looking up at that bear and that blue sky and those white puffy clouds. And I just remember thinking, man, this is heaven on earth right here. You know, mm-hmm. listen to the dog's tree and being with good friends and also I'm glad I've got that memory of Bill because he and I both were really soaking that up that day. Yeah. You both have told me that story. Oh, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sure enough. So when you started talking about it, I knew exactly. And it was a sow bear. Yeah. 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 Well, I know they, the bear wasn't harmed that I know of. I don't think it was season. I believe it was just running season. It could have been early season, but I don't remember harvesting that bear. But, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, but uh, but sometimes they'll do that. They'll kind of, you ever see what a bear pick out a, a, a given oh, dog? Yeah. 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 Well, you've I, become quite the bear hunter, Heath, and been under a lot more trees than I ever was. But I I I I stood under a few down through the years, and uh, I've always enjoyed hunting with you. That's for sure. I hope to get back up there next year. Well, I was gonna say, hopefully, it'll be a few more. Yeah, I, I sure hope so. Hope so. We'll have to lasso them and get them a little closer to the truck, but I think we can. That's that right. Well, I want to bring my buddy Nubbin more with me next time. Nubbin's never killed a bear or, or ever stood under a bear tree, uh, so I want him to experience that too. So I don't know of a finer bunch to take him with, or or better chances to get under one than with you boys. Well, do you yeah. have any other memories of Bill before? We- no, I mean, we, like I said, I spent several years there. I mean, you're looking at a five, seven year span um, that Bill and I hunted quite a bit. Like I said, we covered ground in New York and Canada. And um, in fact, I, in Canada, I was up there twice and hunted, uh, skipped a year and went back and then hunted again. Um, like I said, he come and hunted with me. Like I said, I hunted a couple dogs for him and. I granted the one dog. I ended up buying that dog from him. Uh, I bought Tippy. Uh, he mm-hmm. was such a nice show dog. Um, he was a pretty decent coon dog, but now he didn't, he he did not really, he was not the bear dog that I was looking for. Um, coon dog, he, he done fine. Run a tree, good. Nice, I mean, nice, nice looking dog. Put up right. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. yeah um, sure. But yeah, but like I said, we, was, we. Go ahead. No, I just go say, like I said, for like I said, five, six, seven years there, Bill and I was in the woods quite a bit, and Rhonda, Rhonda was always with Bill oh, most yeah. of, most of the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I enjoyed hunting with Rhonda. She was a good hunter too. Uh, you mentioned a rooster dog earlier. Mm-hmm. Was that that dog that produced a lot of pups? Guys were breeding to a lot from up there. <coughs> well, was so that a different dog. I, I, Steve, I don't remember, but this guy was from Toronto, the Toronto area. Mm-hmm. And I do know 
Bill and all his infinite wisdom, um, him and this dude, this Keith guy, and, and if he's listening, like, I'd li- I can't remember your last name and I apologize, but they were in the process, they were crossing bloodhounds back and forth. Mm. They had got a, a female and a male bloodhound and they bred the rooster dog to the female and they bred a female ha- uh, plot to the male bloodhound. And I ended up with two of those pups. And of course, they were definitely not what I was looking for mm. at the time. Uh, and I don't, I think that, you know, the, the last I had talked, this was during that five, six, seven year period when, right. when Bill and I, um, had kind of set, not separate or just kind of lost touch, uh, because I got into law enforcement and I moved, everything changed in my life. That was why, uh, that we, we didn't keep in constant communication, but, um, <clears throat> they were trying to work to, to figure some type of thing out with that. And, um, I, Bill sent two pups home with me the second time I was up there and they just, they just wouldn't tree. Like they just, mm-hmm. they just would not tree. They would, they would run. And I can't say they were fastest thing in the world. They would run and they'd definitely open on track, but they come into a tree and just stand around like, what do you mm-hmm. want me to do? What do you want me to do? <laughs> um, so that, that was another thing, you know, memory with Bill is they were, he was all the time trying to, to figure out something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. I I guess I that phase kind of bypassed me. I didn't remember that particularly, but I could. I guess they were trying to just put more nose in their dogs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what, what he was doing. And it, it's funny you say that because um, my old picture album, I have got the two pictures. I've got a picture of that rooster dog on that poplar tree that that dude shot out with a with a bow, and it scared me to death. Because I, you know, I, the first time I'd been around something like that, and I just tied my dogs back and kept them tied back because you didn't know. Sure. Um, but I've got a picture of that rooster dog and Frosty and Rufus on a tree. And we actually caught one. Rufus, actually, we caught a bear in a hole up there um, one time. And uh, it done some damage to a couple of my dogs. I wasn't real happy with that, but that was just mm-hmm. part of the, the hunt. And then I've got another picture of Bill and Rhonda. Um, at the, we were in New York and Smokey, one of my young Walker dogs, Rhonda's petting Smokey. And I told her at that tree that I said, you better not do that. I said, you'll rub that, that Walker rub off on some of them plots, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I've got the picture. I still have that picture oh, of, that's great. of us there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe we can do a, a written article sometime as a tribute, but mm, that would you be know, good. I, uh, this podcasting thing, and of course, uh, uh, that, that'll be a good segue into what I want to talk to you about next. But, you know, you, if you produce these things every week, you know, you got to scratch your head sometimes about the content, you know, what you want to do and all. And, of course, I've been real busy here lately with going to Grand American and, and all that. And I was kind of hoping that you would make it, but I imagine things were a little too tight this year maybe maddie I, yes i oh. i hate that i didn't get down there maddie had a volleyball tournament she's playing travel ball and mm. she had a volleyball tournament that yeah. weekend i got you and i just uh i just couldn't make it but <laughs> i hated that i didn't well, get down you there were, for a day or two 
you were the good dad and, and did the honorable thing. So good for you. Well, I don't know if I can lay claim to this or not. So you correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't you record your first podcast with me? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Well, sure I did. We, did. Um, we talked about a little bit of dog training and ring and some of the old dogs. Yeah, absolutely. It was very, the very first time was with you sitting right here in the living room. Yep. Sitting right there at your house. And I, I got there for a while. Like I'd seemed like, you know, I, I just came in the door and went on back to my room. <laughs> <laughs> it's still there. It ain't moved. Check, that, check out Maddie's dragon. Uh, what, what's that dog? That, that beard, we got rid of that thing. The bearded oh, dragon. Yeah, yeah, I got tired yeah. of feeding it. Like, feeding holy those cow. crickets, man. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I always had nothing but enjoyable times. And, and you've suffered through some of my learning curve trying to figure out how to use these recorders and stuff. But we had fun. And I really enjoyed the ones uh, that we did. Like, we, I know that we did one with the veteran where we sat down there on the creek mm-hmm. on a picnic table and recorded. With Jace, um that was with uh, the second fellow. Was it that Jason? Mm-hmm. Jason Wellworth. Yep. 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 So, yep. And, and you've been great to do that. I know uh, I participated in a couple of those freedom hunters hunts with you. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and that was always fun stuff. And uh, well, what's, what's going on with, first of all, let's tell, I don't think there's anybody that doesn't know this, but the, you're, podcast is called the journey right Mm -hmm. yep and you are on the houndsman xp network right yep Um, yeah and then with the sportsman's nation is that or what's that called now yeah it's the sportsman's nation um we are getting ready to do a change and i'm not educated enough right now to to like point you in the right direction but in the near future, when you go on to Apple or Spotify, you will just look up the journey, um, and and you can download it there. And that, that's going to take place in the near future. And I'll, Good. I guess I'll get that out to the listeners when I learn more about it. But yeah, sure. so we air on Steve. You're on Mondays, and I stayed away from that, and I'm on Wednesdays. <laughs> Well, good. I appreciate that. Uh, well, it's just the familiarity, you know, is a good thing. People get used to, you know, oh, it's Monday. I'll see what, you know, mm-hmm. what Fielder's blabbering about today. Uh, so you'll be on uh, on every Wednesday. Of course, yeah. those of you out there are new to podcasting, when we say it's on Wednesday, it you can always go back and listen to it anytime you want to mm-hmm. thereafter. But they they are they premiere on on a, a given day well that's great well you know i've kind of had a little bit of that problem i don't know if it's a problem for you but for me being on the w uh, supply network uh, people don't always know where to find me you know mm-hmm. i'm on this uh well actually their network is called hound cast w supply i think but uh, now it's it's finally gotten around to where if you go on any platform and search gone to the dogs you know it'll come up but uh, well that's good but you'll still be the journey right 
Yeah, the name the name's not changing. It just won't be on the Sportsman's Empire. So <clears throat> it'll be a different feed, an RSS feed. And yeah. like I said, I'm that's above my pay grade. I, I don't understand some of that stuff. Um so well, when it happens, I'll we'll tell you how to get there, but that's about it. Right. Well, you know, the old saying is you don't really like to see how sausage is being made, you know. I mm-hmm. mean, it's not, you like it in the sizzle in the skillet, but you don't really know need to know what happens on the slaughter room floor, I guess. That's right. But, yeah. But anyway, yeah, I'm the same way, you know, and that was why when I decided to go a different direction here back a couple of years ago uh, when Buddy Woodbury invited me over there. That was a perfect uh, situation for me because I didn't want to learn how to to uh, produce podcasts. Uh, I just know how to talk in this microphone, and I don't do that very well, But and let somebody else worry about all that stuff. Well, well it's a full-time job. I mean, Steve, it's a – you know, I'm I work full time. Maddie's playing travel ball. I'm traveling every other weekend at at the least. And you know, mm-hmm. like you said, trying to get content for every week, like yeah. it's it's a chore. It I mean, it's a, a it's a lot. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, it, it it's really it hasn't grown. We won't get into all that, but it hasn't really grown to the point where you can quit your day job and become. So, but, um, well, anyway, you, you had some good stuff. I like the little, uh, I don't know, vignettes or little pieces of little, the little go live pieces or whatever that you do. I call them trailers or promotions. The reels. Yeah. Reels, reels. reels. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, yeah. I enjoyed it. Just looked at one today and saw you had that, uh, that dog out there in the snow and all uh, training. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah uh, I, I, I'm not a big social media person. Um, I do it more because of the podcast and stuff like that. Um, I ha- I'm, I have to make myself. So uh, if I don't respond right back to somebody, just give me a little bit of time. And I try to, I try to get back to people and everything, but um the reels are just a little clip about what's going on in my life at that point in time. And then I'm telling you what's coming up. So it's, yeah. you know, it's a 30 second, 45 second clip and that's about it. Well, I think people nowadays, you know, want their news in short bites, you know, and mm-hmm. they, but then too, I don't know if you hear this, but I hear it a lot. I say, Oh, I want you to record longer. Cause you know, I'm work. <laughs> they're listening while they're working or mm-hmm. they're driving a tractor or they're long over the road truck, uh, trucker or whatever, you know, and, and, uh, but I usually try to keep the length around an hour and sometimes an hour and a half. Uh, I, Nubbin, he, he, he said, man, I don't listen to those things are too long. And <laughs> I thought, well, what do you got to do, man? <laughs> But uh, it's been fun. It's been a fun ride, and uh, I've enjoyed doing it. I guess I, I will as long as I can think of something, someone to bring on that, that people enjoy listening to. Well, I will say this. Like, Steve, your your connections, you know, even when, you, you know, when we used to come up to Michigan and hunt, like, it always amazed me that the people you knew. And that's one of the things the podcast has – uh, done for me is networking. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I get to talk to people 
that maybe I normally wouldn't get to talk to. And I get to learn yeah. about other other people, the way they hunt or the, the, the species or the game they hunt. Um, so it's a learning experience. And uh, I mean, it's a networking um, thing for me. And I really enjoy, I really enjoy that part of it. I've always, you know, I can, my family tells me I can sit down and stop, talk to a stop sign. Um, yeah. Well, and I, I think that's that. the part of it that I like is, is yeah. the learning from other people. Well, Heath, you've always been a student of dogs and of hunting and, and that, you know, plays well with the career that you've chosen and, and with this podcasting gig and all you study things. You, you're a learner. You're a, you're inquisitive. You want to know why. And I think then that translates over to the information that you learn. You're able to pass on to your listeners. And I think that's what makes it good. I listen. I'll, I'll confess. I really don't listen to podcasts very much. Okay. Uh, I don't know whether it's because, uh, you know, I have to produce one that, or, you know, present mm-hmm. one every week, but I don't, I don't listen to a lot. Uh, but there are certain things that I do that catch my eye that I do really enjoy. And I think that's one of the things that's good with having these podcasts out here that you can kind of shop around and pick things that you enjoy. You know, I might not be the most interested guy in some of your police dog work, but I, I find it interesting. But I am definitely interested when you're talking about working these young dogs and, and how you're handling them going in and, 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 you know, the nutrition and all that sort of thing. You know, I think any, any, uh, true hounds person or dog person enjoys all that kind of stuff. But do you have, uh, anything coming up that we can tell my listeners about to look for? Um, yeah, I mean, I know you're, um, some of the guys that you, especially the competition guys, um, I've got a podcast that's coming up here in the next week or two, and we're going to talk um, to um, a vet about the artificial insemination, about getting the dogs collected. Great. Um, that that's starting to be more and more. Oh, yeah. Um, popular. In fact, I. In fact, what got this started is I tried to do some research because I want to have one of my dogs collected, mm-hmm. and for me. I don't have, I don't have somewhere to store it. That's, that's the biggest thing for me. And then when I got to calling around, well, it's like, you know, $50 a month here and $125 a month here. So, um, yeah, yeah, I've got, I've got Aaron coming on and her vet clinic is starting to do it. And I think, you know, people want to learn about this because that's what I, I want to learn about it because I want to have now, who's collected. That that's coming on. I think the thing hit <laughs> a little bit there. Oh, who are you bringing on? Um, it's going to be Aaron uh, Wood and okay. um, she runs. Um, it's Dove. Sorry, Dove. Aaron Dove. Sorry, Aaron. I didn't mean to butcher you. Um, I was looking at too many things at one time. Um, so Aaron, she runs a uh, she runs a vet clinic up in Elkins, West Virginia, and uh, you and I have spent some time up there. Yeah, we have. Hell, Visha. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, but yeah, she's going to come on and she's going to talk about what you need to do, stuff you need to consider, um, and like I said, 
it become more and more popular for them. So that was a reason that she got interested in it. So I'm, I'm going to actually take spook up and have him collect her collecting. Oh, awesome. awesome. Wouldn't you like so, to have some semen from ring or frosty? Y- yes. Um, in fact, uh, I know Maybe you didn't come this year, but so little man, which was my last, the son out of right. ring, right. he passed away know. back in December. And that was the last, like, you're getting, I mean, he was the son of Ring. Everything else now is four generations back. I got you. So, well, you yeah. know, we've got this young plot dog, uh, Fever, and he's mm-hmm. not really related to my old line of dogs, but he is to back to the Hoss dog that I had and is his grandsire and, and raised a female out of Hoss named Dancer. And also, we got some bear pen there for two or three generations, but. Uh, but it's not the old line, you know, and I would love mm-hmm. to have some roper semen. Uh, you I told know. Me, me and Bryce Matthews had this conversation first week of December. We were walk, we, we were walking one day and I told Bryce that Roper was probably one of the nicest, if not. And I mean, Brandy was a nice female, but Brandy and Roper were two different style of dogs, mm-hmm. but Roper was a super he was a walker style plot Mm -hmm. drive a track bring up those three yodels and just come into that yo yo i mean just a steady chop i mean super nice super nice dog and i I told bryce that i would love to have some 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 of the dogs that i had out of him um that candy little candy female i'd love that yep yeah, mm-hmm. I still have pictures of those pups, you know. Well, you know, uh, there's a fellow named Charles Payton that hunts, plot, uh, hunts PKC a lot. They call him Sluggo. He lives down at Elizabethtown, Kentucky. And Sluggo hunted with Roper some when Steve Taylor had him down at his place for a short time. And he just, every time he sees me, he says, I like that Roper dog. That's, you know, that's my kind of dog. So it, it does, it, you know, it kind of swells your head a little bit when people say that. But it was a good one, Heath, as we know. And, man, he died way too soon. He was only seven years old when his kidneys totally shut down on him. So that's one of the heartbreaks, you know, that you have in these dogs. But uh, one of the females that we bred to him was uh, – of course, uh, Brandy, and mm-hmm. uh, and then I had David Westbrook message me the mm-hmm. other day and say that he would like to have been able to uh, brought Annie, uh, go Annie, go know? Annie. I thought they bred to him. Well, they did, but he was talking about this fever dog I got, and uh. I. But I did. Uh, we did get some good pups. That's where uh, Evan Workman got his good bear dog drum. Mm-hmm. Uh, came from that go any cross, you know. So anyway, we'll get back there and the old saying, the deader the better. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, there. Uh, but that frozen semen thing is so important. Uh, and so many people are using We just got the fever uh, pup collected. Collected. Here recently. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, my friend Randy Smith up in, and you know, Randy. He's Pencil. Been there mm-hmm. to, hunt with you and uh uh you know he he works with that quite a bit you know and i mean i say works with it he has uh semen you know from some of the 
you know, famous stud dogs of, of the mm-hmm. past, track man and bone collector and dogs like that, you know, so. But, uh, yeah, well, that's that's cool. That'll be great. A lot of guys will be interested in that for sure. Yeah, we're going to do uh, – I'll ha- I don't I don't know how I'm going to adjust them or lay them out, but we're going to do a wrap on bear season. Um, I've got a new litter of pups. that I'm, This is my bee litter. So I'm going to be giving a, like a, a, a rundown of the bee litter, where the A litter's at. Um, so, yeah, we've got some things coming up that – that should be interesting. It's definitely interesting to me, but I'm out here the ones feeding them every day. So, well, that that should be interesting in, to anybody that has hounds to listen to the methods that people are being successful with hounds. And you know, <laughs> I was talking to somebody yesterday, and sometimes you know I get a lot of questions. You talked about the network, you know, that you've gained through podcasting and, and it, it really can be a vast network, but I get some people that want to ask question after question after question, and then they don't trust the answers enough to Mm -hmm. follow through, you know, well, sometimes you got to try these things, you know, you got to listen. And when somebody that has more, I don't say the years matter, but if somebody that has experience, you know, you want to listen to them. And uh, one thing came to mind with me, I know that your hounds that you're hunting now, uh, roots go back to the Mike Kemp dogs out in Oregon. Mm-hmm. And I see if I'm interpreting his uh, posts and all right, he's kind of winding down, isn't he? Yeah, he's retiring. Um, yeah. And I kind of hate that. Um because nobody's been able to replicate what Mike does. Um, so you gotta, you gotta love him or hate him. However you feel, you gotta give him kudos for that. And, um, you know, I've got three that came from Mike they're not camp bread that I bought from somewhere else. I've got three. Um, my a litter is out of spook, which is, um, one that came from him. And then my B litter is out of Kate, she came which came from that came from him. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see how they turn out, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, Mike's done a good job with, with what he's done. And, oh yeah, you know, like I said, people can say this and that, but I, you, you've been with those, those three oh, dogs and yeah. they catch bear. I mean, I, I gotta <laughs> say they, they catch bear. Now, are they what everybody wants? Maybe not. They're, they, they got some things about them that I don't, that I would like to change, but until I can figure out how to do that, this is where I'm at. So, well, that's a conversation I had yesterday, uh, with Randy Smith up there and talking about putting dogs in the hands of people who know how to give them what they need, you know, uh, tweak, tweak them the way they need to be tweaked so to speak mm-hmm. you know i mean you find little things about the dogs if you spend enough time with them and if you use your head and listen to to heath and the uh. other podcasters out there you know you'll get methods that will enable you you know to do what your dog needs too you know so mm-hmm. i think that's the greatest value of these things the information that gets passed yeah, it's free it's free yeah. information it's like a buffet you if you like it 
you take it and put it on your plate. If you don't like it, you don't eat it, but you may want to put it in, in your back pocket for later for another dog. <laughs> That's right. It's good advice. Very good yep. advice. Heath, I've been talking all day, and the old voice is just about gone. It's great to visit with you. I appreciate you coming on because I know it's like a, you know, last thing you need to do is sit down on a podcast when you have uh, those of your own to produce. But you're doing a great job, and I'm proud of you, boy. And well, I'm proud of what you got you're me started doing. in it. Yeah, so. and I'm, I'm seeing, uh, you know, you progress. You're, uh, I will always be a young man to me, and kind of like a son really and i got to meet your family years ago and really mm -hmm. appreciate them that was when bill was here we sat down at anna's and eat that time that's right we did yep. we back did. to bill that's exactly right that, we went down that, to anna's and dad and glad they all come down and that's right um we sit down and eat yep mm -hmm. always always a good time when i go up that that way and uh Lord willing, and the creeks don't rise and the snow don't get too deep, I'll, I'm going to be up there next year. I'm going to make a point to do that. Good. And sure. Just if nothing else, just ride around in, in the truck with you and listen to the hounds. Well, we can do that for sure. For sure. <clears throat> well, Heath Hyatt, content provider extraordinary. <laughs> I don't know about all that. It's been great having you on, Heath. Folks, anywhere you get your podcast, uh, search the journey. Mm -hmm. He's gone with the new provider here in a few days, but you'll be able to find him there. Uh, if you don't know it already, Heath is a professional trainer uh, of uh, dogs used for police work and and uh, for several different departments or different uh, areas or, or cities and mm -hmm. a longtime bear hunter and coon hunter and a student of the hound sports. So he's got good stuff to say. So be sure and check him out. Hey, thanks yeah. for coming on buddy. And we'll hey. catch you down the road. Hey, yeah. Let me just say, I want to say one thing, but yeah. I know, um, this is a big push. Um, but everybody knows what's going on in Colorado with the mountain right. ba ballot. Yeah. Um, and if, if you guys are interested or would like to research it or can help, uh, there's a there's a website. It's called SaveTheHuntColorado.com. It's Coloradans Colorado for Responsible Wildlife Management. And you all know they're trying to do away with that. And it, it may not affect us today, but it right. will affect all of us eventually. Absolutely. Um, so I just wanted to throw that out there because that's something that, that – Give us that uh, that uh, information again. Yep, it's um, it's the website you can go to is savethehuntcolorado.com, um, and it puts you on the mountain lion um, initiative ballot for for what's going on. Like I said, if you guys don't know that they're trying to take away all cat hunting, um, trophy hunting in Colorado. And it's a big push for houndsmen to kind of band together and try to help Colorado because if they take it there, then like I said, we know how stuff trickles trickles down, and you know it's gonna it, it's gonna affect Virginia, it's gonna affect West Virginia, and it may not be today, and it may not be next year, but sooner or later we're gonna be fighting the same fight. Absolutely. So Absolutely. Just wanted well, to plug you. that in. <laughs> Absolutely, he. Thank you, and uh, folks. Uh, that's going to be a wrap for today. 
Uh, once again, we want to, uh, for all of his friends there, pass on our condolences uh, in the passing of our good friend Bill Wickham. If somebody asks you where Steve Fielder is, well, I don't know where he is, but there's one thing for sure, he's gone to the dogs. Mm-hmm.